Oh, hey. Oh, hey, guys. Oh, I didn't see you there. <laughs> How's it going? How's your day going? How, how you doing? Ah, uh, this is Corey. This is Corey Loven, uh, your old buddy. And this is uh, a podcast called Tangents, all right? Where I go on a lot of fucking tangents. But it's about, you know, four graphic designers and illustrators. I tend to have conversations with those types of people. Uh, you know. But this is the second episode. Episode two, man. Kind of like the... <laughs> the, uh... Empire Strikes Back, if you will, of, uh, of this podcast, right? It might be better than the first. Well, no, I don't. I mean, the first one, it was our episode one was our old buddy Sam Anderson. He's a good dude. And, uh, you know, this one's going to be just as good, man. I liked A New Hope just as much as I liked, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. All right? Yeah, well, you know, they're both going to be good, man. Uh... You know, this is a little monologue where I kind of start talking just about random shit. It's a little introduction into the the interview conversation that I have with my buddies, right? Uh, And I tried to... I don't really know whatever to talk about at the beginning of these, you know, little little pieces here. Uh, I tried to write an outline and shit and trying to make shit a little more structured, but... uh, that didn't really seem to help much either, you know. So I feel like it's kind of good just to, just to dive in there, man. Just to, just to jump in, you know. See, see where it goes. I could, I could use this time to tell some jokes or something. Uh, th- yeah. Well, that could be good. That could take up some time. Not that I need to take up time, you know. I'm not, I'm not trying to waste your time here, okay? You know. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, hey. All right, I will tell you, I will tell you one story, one joke that I got here. It's not really a joke, it's a story. Uh, when I was out in Portland with my buddies, Dave D and the gang, you know, I'd, uh, we'd go to like a bar or something, and, and we'd just be hanging out on the patio, and it was like silent, and then I'd try and be like, yeah, you know, oh, here's a little icebreaker, right? A little joke icebreaker or something, you know, and I'd like tap people on the shoulder, and I'd be like, hey, hey, you guys want to? Want to hear a story? You know, and then they'll be like, yeah, you bet. So, uh, I, you know, I'd go on to say this story. And this is my, you know, little disclaimer. This is one of three stories that I usually tell people at bars or, uh, you know, marketplaces or bar mitzvahs or wherever. All right. And, uh, you know, a little icebreaker to let, let them know who I am. Right. A little Corey Lovin as a as a human being, as a person, and my character and shit. Anyways, a lot of backstory there. This is one of the jokes, one of the stories. You're only getting a little nugget. This is the first one that I usually tell people. Uh, and it begins with my old buddy Josh. Uh, back when we were in fucking, like, you know, elementary school or whatever, man, in Wilmer, Minnesota, right, where I grew up, his... Uh, we went over to Josh's house, right? Because his parents, they had a they had a nice place. And they had a nice, you know, Apple II computer or whatever the hell it was. I don't know. Uh, running Netscape and shit. And, uh, you know, we were young. Uh, 15 years old or some shit like that. Well, not that young. But, you know, we were about 15. We end up looking online, right? Netscape. What, Ulta Vista. Whatever the hell. They didn't have Google then. And we ended up trying to say, 
Oh, well, what should we look up? You know, we're kids and stuff, right? This is getting a little risky, a little PG-13 here, but uh, we'd end up going to, you know, Alta, Google, uh, AltaVistaBoobs.com or whatever, you know, you know, adult kind of stuff, right? And uh, <laughs> we end up, we end up like clicking on the first link, right? And uh, <laughs> there would be like a splash page, right? And they would say like an enter and a leave button, you know? And uh, and uh, it, it said you have to be like 18 years of age or older to, to enter, you know? And this is the punchline of the story. The wholesome Lutherans that Josh and I were, we uh, sat there and then we said, oh shit, man, in three years, we're gonna come back here and visit this website, and uh, and we and we clicked leave. You know, we clicked leave, and uh, well, that's it, really. Some of my friends, we always like that's where everyone laughs. You know, if we're in public and shit, and then you go up, 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 up. You know, and uh, well, that, yeah, that's a true story. We didn't know. You didn't know it. It. I was convinced if I hit enter and I was under eighteen years of age, the fucking FBI agents would repel from the ceiling and shit. You know, and like arrest us on the spot or something. So, uh, you know, that, that's that's my wholesome Lutheran story. Me and our buddy Josh. And, uh, well, there you go. You know, I always tell people that's the most uh, wholesomely offensive story I've ever said. All right. Well, there's that, though. There's that one. Oh, man, I hope that didn't sway anybody off. A little risque humor involved. Risque stories here. <laughs> All right, well, all right, man, on with the show, on with the show. Our our old buddy for this episode two is uh, one of my buds, Nick Zidon. Uh, we talk about some some good nuggets, design and illustration and printing and space and uh, history and St. Paul and beer. And, uh, well, I'm already giving spoilers away, so let's uh, let's go over to the studio and uh, check it out. Here's, here's Nick Zidane in the studio. Sounds good, man. Sounds good to me. One, 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 one. Test, test, test. We can cut this out. This doesn't need to be in here. That's that's a, that's a. That's or we a, can that's leave your, it. That's your creative decision, man. Dude, I left that's, that audio on the totally first one, talking about Oreos and shit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know because I just want to do. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it, right? Amen, brother. <laughs> All right, this is my buddy Nick, man. Nick Zidane. Good to be here. Is that how you say your last name? Zidane, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you got Zidane. it right. Yeah. Is it like German or Norwegian? It's Polish. It's Polish. Polish. Yeah, Z-D-O-N. Okay. And they think that my great-great-grandfather, Michael, yeah. changed it when he came to, to America. Okay. From Z-D-U-N to the O-N, which we use now. U-N. And everybody says, oh, I probably had ski at the end of it. I'm like, no, it didn't. Ski? Because <laughs> in, Pol- in, 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 oh. in a Polish name. Yeah, yeah. Um, long time ago, ages ago, the ski at the end of your your family name meant that you were part of the landowning class. 
Okay. And they would actually change their name as a reflection of their their you know where they were in society. And your sure. name would change as you moved up. And so yeah. once you owned land, you became a ski. So like Bukowski. Yeah. The original name for for Bukowski and his family name would have been Book B U K. And then it would have they would have added the ski on after the end. So shit, man. The How more, do you know this, Nick? I read a book on it. Okay. <laughs> what's the What's the book? You know, the book is called Poland. Okay. <laughs> That's good. By man. James Michener, if you've ever read, and it's just the book is about three inches thick, and it covers like oh, okay. three thousand years of Polish history. Oh shit! It's pretty cool. I'm Norwegian myself, half Swedish, half Norwegian. I told that to my old buddy, uh, old roommate John Cook once, and then he was like. Yeah, of course, so are you and every other Minnesotan, you know? <laughs> he, he got mad, and, it, and I, and I, and, and I kind of laughed. It was true. I was like, yeah, that's kind of true, maybe. Yeah, well, so is Loven. Loven's a Scandinavian name? Lo- or, I think so. It's Swedish and Norwegian. Because I, there's, I, I, there's, well, a, uh, there's a similar word in, in German. There's lo- Loven. Mm. Like Lovenbrau, which means, like, that. and Loven means uh, lion, but it's spelled with a W rather than a... Oh, be, crazy. Like okay. Lovenbrau from Augsburg. It's a beer. Yeah. Augsburg's beer? Oh, well, no. Maybe it's Augsburg. Well, Augsburg oh. in Germany, not the, not oh, the, okay, not okay, the okay. college. Twin, my twin brother, Kyle Loven, he studied at Augsburg. So oh. I just went straight to straight to the Lutheran College in Minneapolis, you know? <laughs> All right, man. Well, this is good. We already went on a tangent in the beginning, you that's know? That's true. Uh, yeah, and a, yeah, beer tangent. That's how it that's starts. That's, that's great. There's going to be a starts. lot of those, probably. A lot of beer tangents. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, dude, I mean, how'd you get into, you know, design and illustration? This is a design uh, and illustration podcast. Yeah, at least at the beginning of the podcast it is, isn't it? We can't talk about anything, man. You know, bright, of course, but yeah. like, you know, yeah, man. We are both graphic designers we and are. illustrators. How did you get into that? What what drew you to the um, arts? The so I, my father my father was a film it still is a film and video producer. Okay. Um, and he works for himself now, and um, he does some cable programming and some non uh, non commercial non air stuff. Um, yeah. But when I was growing up and, and kind of in um, elementary school and um, middle school. He was a producer and director at Campbell Methune in the ad world here. So he would bring home the stock illustration books. Remember those? Mm -hmm. You know, when you wanted to pick out an illustrator before the internet, you'd open up the book and find the style and be like, oh, (laughs) this guy. And you'd find his seven digit phone number back then, you know, and call him up. Um, And so he would bring these back because I was always drawing, you know, and I was always into art. And he he told me, he would tell me, he he said, if you get good enough, somebody will pay you to do it. Oh, sure. Right? You know? Yeah. Man. So he would bring these stock illustration books home and give them to me, and I would just pour through them, you know, oh, and I'd copy man. the illustrate, you know. and Yeah. Um, but I do remember um, the beginning of the books, because the books were, like, kind of in different sections. And the beginning of, of, yeah. of the stock illustration books, the source books, where um, there was a calligraphy section. Oh. And so there was all this expressive typography, hand-done lettering, like all this stuff. And so after a while, oh. I got sick of copying the illustrations. Yeah. And I started copying these these calligraphers. Were these everywhere. like separate books? Was it like no, they were typography? All in the same. So they were all like just grouped together? They were all together. So yeah. usually you would have, so you would have illustration and then uh, which calligraphy would be like the first little section. There might be 
20 pages of calligraphy sure and then a hundred pages of illustration because there oh, you man. know we're m many more illustrators than calligraphers yeah and then you'd have a photography one you'd have this photography source book um yeah and so i just started and of course like i'm 13 and yeah. so i'm like making up bands and like <laughs> i was literally making record covers like drawing like everything but all the type everything for yeah. like heavy metal bands and oh, man. stupid shit like that which was totally that's how i got into it and then um um in high school mm -hmm. um one of my art instructors uh she was a drawing drawing teacher was pretty progressive and very interested in graphic design and bringing that into the high school okay classroom and so blaine blaine high <laughs> wow. um uh, she contacted John Dufresne. Actually, this is no, like, she... yeah, so this is like some weird connection before I even met John Dufresne. This was J our old buddy JD. Yeah. John well, Dufresne John used, used to teach at CVA, College yeah. of Visual Arts. Yeah, he's at Concordia now, killing that program. Right. I mean, killing in a very good way, in a good oh, way. Yeah, not, like, not like taking it down. He's pumping out some awesome. <laughs> but awesome at the time, things. was JD, was he at, at I think Stout, he was at, I didn't, no, I think he was at CVA. Oh, wow. Because I think at that time, this would have been like, mid to late 90s okay probably and so i think he had made the, the move over to um cva sure and so he gave um uh uh heidi my um art art instructor one of my art teachers in, in high school yeah. gave her kind of like a little bit of little few nuggets from his design one curriculum okay which was you know utilizing circles and straight lines and you know that, yeah man. to create graphic art and so i actually did that project yeah. In high school. Oh, and, man. Um, yeah. And, uh, but then it was, I I found CVA and pretty much immediately fell in love with the school and the neighborhood. And Was know. that after high school? That, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I went, went to college. Yes. Was? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I did like the college tour thing and yeah. uh, I looked at a few places. Um, and then I think as maybe it was a junior or senior uh got the tour yeah man at cva right um from nyla niblo shout out to nyla she Ooh. was my she was my um oh, a student rep but oh, okay. she she uh, uh she spent some time at q and eric madsen office yeah. of eric madsen she was oh, his yeah. designer for a while anyway um and so she showed me around campus and yeah i i fucking loved it and oh, so man. yeah immediately like right after high school just started going to cva that's crazy, dude. Yeah. yeah, that's probably how we know each other. CVA, yeah. I would assume. Yeah. Right? Although, we, I th I think, I mean, we probably knew each other around a little bit, but I graduated yeah. CVA like 04. Right, right, right. 04, 05. Yeah, and I started in like 2005. Oh, you did? Okay, so we maybe so, barely had any overlap. Yeah, yeah. But it would be around town, you know, we just got to know each other. Yeah. Or actually, no, we got to know each other at the bar. It was probably Costello's. <laughs> it probably Honestly, was. it was probably Costello's. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The local water and hole. Yeah. Formerly at, right next to right next College of Visual Arts. Yeah. We should try and we we spoke a little bit about it in the first episode, but C V A, College of Visual Arts. It's not S V A, close enough, right? College <laughs> of Visual Arts was a you know, four year private college that was uh, based in in Saint, Saint Paul. Saint Paul. Yeah. yeah. It was the uh, I was talking to my a buddy of mine, Blaine, the other day and uh CVA came up. He didn't go there, but he, mm -hmm. he was a lot of his friends. He knows a lot of people who didn't. 
Um, and he's yeah, like, man. oh yeah, Hogwarts. <laughs> he's, like, he's like comparing it to. He's like, it was in a mansion. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it was right. like you guys were all like weird art students. So it's just like <laughs> I'm like, no, that was Hogwarts. It was like a magical place. It totally was. You know, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. and I can. See I mean, and and to to finish, I mean, we to carry that story through. I mean, that was what, yeah, man. Closed what three years ago. Yeah, yep. closed down and the rest um, in peace, man. I always yeah. tell people that every time I bring up CVA, there's some people that go. Oh, you know, you yeah. know, and then, and then I'll be like, yeah, if I had a 40, I'd pour it on the ground right now, you know, <laughs> and sometimes I'll just tell, tell matronly women that or something, and then they'll be like, why is this guy drinking 40s all the time? You know, what's I'm a like, 40? Yeah, what's a 40? I was just, it's a reference, just a reference. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, sad, sadly, it did close down and, you know, it was around for, what, like, it was like 80, over 80, 89 years I think it was 80... No, no, it was ninety. It was, I think it was ninety, like four years or yeah, something man. like that. Because tw- uh, nineteen, it was like nineteen twenty-two or twenty, early twenties sure. when it started. It was the Mills College of of Arts or Mill College of Art, I think. Sure. And it was it had a it had a commercial arts program. Yeah. Way back then. Yeah. My yeah. buddy Tony, Tony Benny, um, his grandmother Marcella <laughs> went to CVA. Really? Yeah. Right after. Um, Right after World War II, I think. Holy I mean, man. I think it was it was either Mills College or it was a College of Associated Arts at that point or something like right, that. Right. But yeah, she was, that was there. And it That's was, amazing. I think it was downtown St. Paul. I don't think it was in the mansion sure. at that time. But I got to, um, uh, I got to meet her and I, I, Tony and I dug up her old portfolio. Oh, for wow. All this old lettering work, all this hand done, you know, layout work. Yeah. Um, from the 40s. Sure. Um, and we actually submitted it to an alumni show that CVA had oh, um, man. years ago. Yeah. And so she was like our the oldest <laughs> the oldest graduate at oh, the alumni man. show. Oh, that's the nice. class of like 40 yeah. Eight, yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that, you no know? Shit. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Very cool, very cool history, very cool. Very cool school. Yeah, man. So we're uh, yeah, we just dove right in there, Nick. Where are you from? Are you from St. Paul? No, no, I'm from I'm from Blaine, Blaine, Coon Rapids. From Blaine, okay. ABC, Anoka, Blaine, Coon Rapids. Okay. Northern suburbs. Although they're not even that northern. When I was growing up, it was like, it was the edge yeah. of like suburban acceptability. Really? In the sense that it was like, I grew up around, it was all um, sod farms. So it was oh. all these sod farms. So they were just really flat and it was just grass like everywhere. Sure. Um... And that was once you got up to Ham Lake. Ham Lake was like the boonies, you I've know, heard of Ham Lake. even growing up. Yeah, yeah, man. Now, now there's you know tract housing all the way. There's hardly any sod farms left anymore. But yeah, so was it a small town? Um, no, it, no, it was it was fairly sizable. I mean, for a suburb, it yeah. had a um, it had a pretty sizable high school. I okay. know. Um, yeah, I want to say it was like 30,000 or something, something All right. around there. Yeah, man. Um, That's not bad. I'm from a town called Wilmer, Minnesota. I've heard, I've heard of Wilmer. Wilmer. Yeah, All right. All that's, right. Way, that's up north there. Yeah, man. Well, it's like northwest of here. It's more west than north, okay. from, at least from Minneapolis, St. Paul here. Yeah. But yeah, I always tell people that. I always get to tell like a story and then I'm like, yeah, I'm from a small town, you know? And then they're like, <laughs> there's always some asshole in the, in the circle that's like, oh, yeah. How big is it? You know? And then I was like, <laughs> and then I'll be like, well, it was like, you know, 19, 20,000 when I left, you know, you know, high school or, or Ridgewater. And then they were like, 
ha, you know, I'm like, I'm from a town of 500, you know, or some shit like that. And they'll be like, oh, it was a medium-sized town, you know. <laughs> but it was, it, it, you know, it was a town, right? Yeah. And Wilmer's a town. It's well, not, yeah, it's I mean, not I, a city, yeah, you know. Yeah. But that's crazy. I have to say, I don't think I've ever been to Wilmer. Yeah. I, I, may have, I may have driven through it, but I don't think I've ever been there. Eh. I mean, it's cool. Well, that's a ringing endorsement. I'm yeah, going to yeah, run yeah, right yeah. out and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go to I, Wilmer they're now. They're known for sunshine, yeah. sunshine, a, a cool Christian music festival. I don't think that, I don't think it's there anymore. I think they moved it to, like, Wisconsin or some shit. Okay. But, like, you know, that's kind of what they're known for. They got a good Taco John's. Check it out, you know. Uh, Perkins. Oh, uh, of op- course. Open 24 hours. That's, yeah. That's where we hang out when I was they younger. Dude, do, do, that's where I would hang out. Really? Well, not the one in Wilmer. We had one, yeah, on, we had one on Blaine on University Avenue, right? Yeah. Union Center right there. <laughs> okay. With the big-ass American flag. Yeah. You know, the American flag that was like a half acre <laughs> yeah, in the man. area. Oh, man. Yeah. Perkins love is very patriotic. And you, just, and you just go and, like, drink coffee <laughs> yeah. and just, just sit there for six hours. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just like... Yeah, that's that was. I'm sure there's a lot of people that experienced Perkins. Well, yeah, man. In, well, let's, in that capacity, let's get into the the design shit. Like, how what drew you to St. Paul? When did you move to St. Paul? Uh, Were you young? Ninety nine, right after I graduated high school. Okay. So, yeah, I yeah, been, yeah. I and been then like you went to College of Visual Arts yeah. right after that. Yeah, and so okay. I, I remember first moving, and I had never really been to St. Paul. Yeah. I'd been to Minneapolis a bunch, you know, in high school, but sure. I think I saw, I think I saw Rob Zombie or something oh, at Roy really? Wilkins Auditorium in oh, high no school. That was and like it was Rob, it wasn't White Zombie. No, it was Rob Zombie. Oh, that's, with, that's uh, good. Fear Factory opened and oh, okay. Monster Magnet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, I remember all those yeah, bands. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Man. But that, I had never really spent any time at St. Paul. Okay. And um, uh, I remember one of the first couple nights, so I moved into an apartment. Yeah. And um, very close to Selby and Western, actually, oh, like, a, yeah. like a block from the old gallery building. Sure. And the first couple nights, like, I would just start, I would just, like, start walking around, you know, mm. like, explore the city mm-hmm. um, through Cathedral Hill and Grand Avenue. And yeah. it just, like, blew my mind. Really? You know, never having experienced, like, a, like a, a real kind of proper city experience like that yeah and also the history that's in that neighborhood and everything like i just immediately just totally fell in love with with st paul and the whole neighborhood and just great city became a real diehard st paul guy yeah man so what are some of your favorite parts about st paul i mean for me they're they're just great bars and shit because yeah yeah, we should back up i mean st paul is often it's often compared to minneapolis and then i'm like not to i mean the twin cities you know it's like Two siblings is kind of like who's your favorite? Yeah, and you gotta have a favorite. I like them both equally. Yeah, you know, yeah. But right, and it seems like the people that have lived in St. Paul are like diehard fans. Yeah. And, and now, now that I live in Minneapolis, I love Minneapolis too. But it's like they're different beasts, man. It's yeah, just they're like, very, you know, they're very different. Minneapolis is more nightlife and shit or whatever. But like St. Paul has like fucking some of the best coffee shops, some of the best bars. Yeah, you know, it, it's, I fucking love it. You know, there was always. Um, St. Paul's been very, well, it's it's very traditional. Like, it feels very, yeah. like, it doesn't move very fast. Right. It's slower. Um, and like even... Like the West. What's that? Like, like Portland, when I was out there, it just, it, everything kind of moves slower, it seemed like. It, it really, it really kind of does. I mean, just even being there, but also, like, yeah. the way things get developed, you know? Sure. And... 
Um, yeah, I mean, you can mention some of the bars. It's like this one of the oldest bars in the Twin Cities. Sure. You know, well, they're not, some of them aren't open yeah, right, anymore, but totally. Um, it seemed very apprehensive about like change. Like, sure. Like m- very much like different than Minneapolis, which I always feel is very focused on change and like improvements, and making things better, and you know, sure. Um, always, always like something new kind yeah, of going man. on. Um, St. Paul, it seems like it, it's it's a little it's it's not quite as focused on changing as quickly as Minneapolis is. Yeah. So. And it's, I don't know, yeah, it just has a totally different feel. All right, one of the things I've noticed, so I did live in Minneapolis for one year. I lived down in Longfellow. Mm. And I, there was one thing that I noticed, and thinking about, like, the way there's the city feels, mm-hmm. um, the primary streets in St. Paul run yeah. east and west. Oh. Okay? Yeah. So if you look at, like, even, like, where CVA was, you know, Selby... Laurel, Ashland, Summit—you uh, know—all those, all those major streets, kind of like residential streets, run east and west. Sure. In Minneapolis, they primarily run north and south. Oh, wow! And it's always been interesting to me, like, to notice that change yeah. when I go back and forth from one city to the next. And it's not something you would ever really like pick out, but yeah. but just knowing that the way that. Um, the sun moves and the way that light falls in somebody's house. It's, it's, yeah. it's very interesting, but that yeah. was always, so when people, I, I'll pull, I'll bust out that fact, you know, yeah, man. when people ask about how Minneapolis is different from St. Paul and then I'll just get a quizzical look, you know, yeah. like, what, how the fuck did you feel? <laughs> how'd you that notice that? Yeah. Just look, I got a Google maps, man. <laughs> just, yeah. Google maps, man. This is the world we're living in. Drones, What's you know? Yo, shit, man. All so right. I spent 15 years, I spent 15 years in that, in that neighborhood. Yeah. Moving. In uh, uh, No, no, no. But it's in, um, Selby Western. Oh yeah. Yeah. Selby okay. Dale. So I spent one year in Longfellow. Yeah. And then move back. Um, but yeah, pretty much a cumulative 15 years in that neighborhood. That's and crazy. now, I mean, I just moved back to the Twin Cities about six or seven weeks ago. Yeah. And I got a apartment, just signed the lease last week. Back over, I'm a block from uh, Selby and Western again. It's, dude, it's which a is, great which neighborhood. Is, which is, I'm a, uh, a block south of Selby. Yeah. Um, my first apartment, which I was just talking about, right. was a block north of Selby. So oh, I'm man. literally just coming like full circle back to yeah, that intersection, which for some reason I just cannot, cannot how, leave. How does it feel? It feels fucking awesome. It feels great to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's really good to be back. Yeah, man. I mean, between family and friends and yeah, yeah it's, 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 it feels really, really good to be back. How do, a, you, how do you feel, Nick, about like, I've always been interested in... Oh, I got a little screensaver here. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> inner dialogue here. I've always been interested. Oh shit, man! I just lost it, Nick. Oh, what? You lost your train of thought. All the time. This happens all the time. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah. Like, part of the reason I I'm always interested. Like when I move, I'll have nightmares. Shit, man. Seriously, I'll have <laughs> nightmares about like, I'll I'll have a nightmare and I'll be like, no, I live back in. The apartment that I used to live in, and maybe what or whatever. There's yeah. <laughs> something about like moving back to the same place that I used to live, and that's like the same apartment. That's like the same house and yeah. shit, right? You know, yeah. and that's different than like if I fell on hard times and moved back in my folks' place in Wilmer. Like that's like whatever. That's cool. You're always welcome back, right? right? 
course. But there's something like in embedded in my brain that just kind of makes me nervous about like at least moving back into the exact same house yeah. or apartment where I used to live because I feel like I've I've I'd go through all this time and years of knowledge and growing uh my craft is in design and illustration but also just like growing as a person too and going through more experiences the notion of me like moving back into like that same kind of apartment that's why i get like nightmares about you you know like yeah i i don't know what that means i'll look into it you know i'll ask my old therapist denise i don't know man but uh (laughs) What do you? But what do you think? It's, it, well, it's not I, the same place, but it's a, it's a similar neighborhood. So how yeah. does that feel for no. you? Well, there was a lot of. I mean, I was when I was in New York. I was in New York for two years, and um, yeah. You know when I when I started to think about you know the possibility of moving because it's this whole like conversation with yourself. Yeah. Of like one, just kind of like starting to admit to yourself that you want to move back. You know, and just making that realization is is like a huge deal. Yeah, man. Like it took me a while to even kind of like be honest with myself and and acknowledge the fact that "Mm, I I really want to be back in St. Paul. Sure. Um, But the other side, you know, you know, the devil on your shoulder is like, why would you move back? You're in New York. Sure. It's like you got everything, and like this is this is where you want to be. Sure. You know, it's like you don't want to give up after two years. It's no, like give it some man. more time. You know, and so it was like this conflict, kind of going back, kind of like what you yeah. said. It's like how do you really feel about like moving back someplace? Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And um, what what actually kind of did it for me is when I would come back and visit. Yeah. You know, I was living in New York and come back to visit the Twin Cities. You know, I I would have. Again, this conversation with myself sitting at the gate at, you know, the airport, <laughs> right. you know, with the, you know, JFK, you know, boarding in 30 minutes. And it's right, like, man. If I did not get on that flight, if I said, fuck it, I'm got up, grabbed my shit and walked out of the airport. Sure. It's like, I, I, I would feel comfortable that I could, I could reenter my life here in the Twin Cities. Sure. And at that point, I kind of had to be like, okay. That 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 means a lot, you know. Yeah, man. Like it's not necessarily about um, leaving leaving New York behind mm-hmm. um, and losing out, you know, on what's happening there. Sure. But it's really much more about um, capitalizing is not the right word, but it's really about just being where you you want to be. You yeah. Know? Yeah, man. Um, and so being getting to the place where I could be honest with myself, you're like, no, I re- I really need to be back. Yeah, yeah, man. So, and I and it's been great. It's been you know six weeks. My, I've been seeing a ton of people. And yeah, and yeah, it's been it's been awesome. And I'm getting a chance to do this cool shit. Like, look at this. Yeah, man. You know, <laughs> doing a fucking podcast. There you go. With Corey. There you go. There you, go. you know, it's like where are you where are you at currently? Uh, job wise or yeah, yeah, with design. Yeah, job wise, I am. Uh, I'm working at Periscope right now. Okay. So uh, I started there pretty much as soon as I got back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, is that cool? You, I mean, you like it? Yeah, there? it's a good place. It's the largest place I've ever worked at. Really? Yeah. So How big are? I mean, there's, there's like four hundred some hundred. people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Four hundred some people, two, three, four buildings, something like that. Right. And then there's an office in, um, I think, Delhi, and an office in Hong Kong. Oh wow! Which does okay. a lot of their production work. Oh wow! Um, I didn't know they had multiple ones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's definitely the largest place, you know, yeah, going man. from, you know, I started at a place about 50 people, 
Then I moved to a place with about 12 or 13 people. Sure. And then I was freelance for three years, was teaching. So to come back and like yeah. re-enter everything and then go back to like, a, or start at a big agency has been, um, it was a little bit of a shock at first. You know, you walk around, you have no idea who anybody is. Yeah. Or where the conference room your, you know, your three o'clock meeting is in, you know. So I would just grab a stack of paper and like wander around. I'm like, I think it's on the third floor. And so I would just literally just do laps until somebody would flag me down from inside Nick, a conference Nick. room. Like, oh yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, right on. Cool. Yeah. I was just on my way up, you know. Okay. Um, and, and I'm, I'm back at uh, Big Table or AK, formerly known as yeah, Big yeah. Table. No, uh, Hamilton Ink Spot. Yeah. It's right, right. old habits die hard. No, man. Exactly. So, and that's a that's a screen printing kind yeah, of yeah. shop that that Sam's a part of too. Sam's and, there. Yep. Bill Moran. Bill Moran's running the joint down there. The ringleader and, now, but you used to be a part of that, right? Yeah, I was. I was actually one. I th- one of the founding members. Yeah, of man. The big table because right. we used to be in the Jacks Building. Yeah. In St. Paul, and there was just a bunch of us. Right. Uh, I had so never was, been there, but I know that like Alyssa Fuller. Yeah. And others yeah, Alyssa, uh, Bill Ferentz. Pete Fetch, yeah, uh, man. a bunch of, I mean, four or five of us, we all just got together and be like, you know what, if we each, you know, kick in $60 a month, we can have our own studio. Yeah. You know, we share. And so we built, um, we built this plywood table, you know, out of four by fours and two four by eight sheets of, of plywood. <laughs> yeah. And man. it was, I think it was designed and built in Craig's garage um, oh, without any measurements of the actual studio. <laughs> Yeah. So we took tore it all down and moved it into the studio, and then realized <laughs> that the table literally took up about ninety percent of the floor in the studio because it was a tiny little place. Right. And so you would have to kind of like like scoot up against the wall in order to get around one corner. And so, but that, that's where that's where the name Big Table Studio came from because this table was just huge. So once we moved yeah, to, man. so now we're in in our current spot downtown, right off of Wabasha. Yeah. Um, I know you've been there, but you've seen yeah. the table in the back. It's right, twenty-two feet long by yeah, eight feet or whatever it is. It's it's even it's even bigger. Right, man. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, table. I've been yeah. So I've been. I mean, I office out of there when I was freelancing. Mm-hmm. Um, know those guys real well. Um, just doing a print job. Just doing some T-shirts for, for the AIGA. Yeah. Um, uh, yesterday. So just we're kind of wrapping, wrapping those up this morning. But um, sure. so yeah, I mean that's that's I guess that's kind of where I'm at. I'll be teaching again in the summer. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. You mentioned that you and, and going back, I, I that might be part of the reasons how I met you too. Was originally from I knew that you taught some classes at CVA as yeah. well, right? Yeah, yeah. But now you're teaching at MCAD. Mm-hmm. What classes are you teaching? Are going to be well. I've got a summer course. Yeah, a six-week summer course. Um, What's that on? Uh, history of graphic design. Oh shit! And, commu- okay. and communication. Yeah. So it's actually it's so nerdy. It is so <laughs> awesomely nerdy. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun for me. It was actually a section of another class that I taught. Okay. And I kind of broke it off and kind of pitched it to the continuing education department, and they decided that they. They would let me teach it. Sure. Um, but just putting the class together was so interesting and fucking fun for me to do. Because this is like the whole graphic design side of thing, you know. Yeah. Cuneiform and Gutenberg and like all the, you know, <laughs> right. and kind of like unraveling and, you know, the whole history of 
of uh, graphic design. Sure. Um, but then I, I, so that's two lectures that split across two, two hour lectures. And then I have a whole mass communication section, which right. pretty much starts with like the age, the American age of publishing in the um, 1890s, uh, kind of the birth of that industry, um, commercial, like magazine publishing. But then sure. also like there's a small, I got really into vaudeville for some reason. What like the that? idea, like vaudeville, like you know, the stage. Or like, or like well, there were cabaret kind of shit? Yeah, Is that kind it? of. There were, okay. there were stage productions, oh. you know, and it would be, it was like a variety, it was like a variety show, sure. you know? And so each kind of performer or act would yeah. just get a couple of minutes, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes. To do, run through some acts, and they would have dancers, they would have jugglers, they would have magicians, they might have comedians, um, all sorts of interesting. It was a variety show, you know. It was yeah. like you would go, and they would run them like continuously. You'd pay like a nickel to get in. Yeah, and it was just like kind of continuous entertainment. It was all family friendly, you know. It wasn't, you know, crude humor or anything like that. <laughs> sure. But it was one of the early forms of kind of mass entertainment in the United States, and you look at. It's development paired with the five-day work week, you yeah. know, going from a six-day work week to a five-day work week. Um, and the idea of leisure time, which was, you know, so all of these things, kind of how they all wrap up. And then the, er the early stages of television sure. in, um, it was actually invented by an English guy. Um, they basically just took vaudeville and like broadcast it on TV, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like that was like the early and you look at like, you know, Charlie Chaplin and, and yeah. all those old comics or like Laurel and Hardy. That's all like vaudeville style kind of humor. So sure. it's interesting kind of like looking backtracking how each kind of method of communication steals the content from the previous generation yeah. of communication yeah you know? man even like what we're doing right now like, this is a podcast yeah you know yeah. we're, we're it's recording like it on a laptop it's like a radio know? show usb right. but it's yeah but it's very similar to a, like a radio show totally you know so totally, anyway that's man. you know that's kind of i got two two hour lectures on that oh man no it's super good. I, nerdy that's so. kind of one thing that i wrote down nick was it was kind of two of my favorite okay one of my favorite prints posters that I, that i've seen of yours yeah is a poster called Reach. Yeah, yeah, that one. And that one, and there's another one called The Highest Step. Yeah. And both of those I noticed, now we're getting into the design, like heavy shit, right? Yeah. But yeah. it's like, both Reach and The Highest Step prints that you worked on seem highly influenced by history, you know? And even, yeah, even, yeah, even talking guess. to you right now, I've kind of noticed you're talking about vaudeville and all this other yeah. shit. Your love for St. Paul, of course, and like history and tradition. Yeah. How did those print? I, I, do you feel like a lot of your design process is highly influenced Actually, by um, history and like and, and tradition and that kind of shit? Or how did you, how did the Reach poster come about? The Reach poster is actually a really interesting story. It was a very like necessity driven design. So yeah. I, I initially did Reach for um, one of the poster offensive shows. Sure. And we were at Big Table in the old shithole Jack's building. Yeah. And Pete Fetch was the one who's kind of like rounding everybody up, you know. And, you know, a week before the deadline, he's like, you got a week to do a poster. <laughs> you have to do it. You said you agreed to do it. And then two days out, he's like, you have two days to do a poster. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's fine. It's fine. And then literally the day before the deadline, I'm like working on something, you know, at six or seven o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like. You got a poster for me tomorrow? You know, I need at least an edition of 25 or whatever it was. 
Right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. No, fine. It's fine. No, whatever. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> and so then I see left. I'm like, shit, what the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> and so um, I knew I wanted to do something that was positive um, and wasn't just like, oh, the Bush era sucks and politics is, cra- you know, crazy. Right. Yeah, because this was around like, this what, during that time? This would have been maybe like 2012. Two, yeah, probably somewhere around there. Something like yeah. that when there was the. Yeah, because there are always election years. So it would have been uh, probably 2012. Yeah, yeah. And um, so <laughs> I immediately just started going around the studio. I'm like, okay, what can I make a poster out of? <laughs> and I had, I, I had a bunch of um, black. Uh, I think it was either Strathmore or some black paper, you know, yeah. big 30, 24 by 30 sheets or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, I, I, the inspiration comes from uh, Carl Sagan, his Pale Blue Dot sure. uh, essay, which appears in Cosmos. And, and who is he? He was an astronomer? Uh, yeah, cosmologist, astronomer um, yeah. at... Uh, uh, NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and I think sure. taught at maybe Columbia, or a very well-known kind of um, cosmologist. He, yeah. did, he did the whole Cosmos series. Ooh. So Neil deGrasse Tyson is doing it now. Right. But he did the original one back in, the, I think, in the 80s. Okay. Which I had the I had the DVD collection of that someplace. It's all on Netflix oh, now, I'm sure. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so um, I was very inspired by the... Pale Blue Dot, and the yeah. whole the idea of the Pale Blue Dot is on the the Voyager spacecraft as it was leaving the solar system. They turn the camera around backwards, yeah, and they take a picture of the Earth, right. And from that distance, the Earth is just a pale blue dot. It's a right. tiny speck, right. right. And so Carl Sagan's whole idea is like everything we've ever known, yeah, everybody that's ever lived, every dictator, every couple in love lived out their life on that dot, right. So it's kind of like this idea oh, of significance and, yeah and so what heavy, i did so man. i had this black paper yeah and that's space right and a toothbrush <laughs> and some white paint <laughs> and i and i just like splattered the white paint onto this black paper with this toothbrush yeah and made this star using, this using star your finger field. yeah yeah oh i had my thumb was just completely white <laughs> afterwards um and then I and then I had a um, a paintbrush and I mixed up some blue and white and and I just I added one one pale blue dot to this whole star field. Sure, man. And I was like, all right, that's it. I can I can I can bang twenty five of these out tonight. <laughs> you know. And they're all just um, originals. I mean, those were yeah. Just they were like all they're all completely going originals. at it. There wasn't yeah. like a screen. No, you weren't screen printing. No, them. it was all just see my you know. It was just this toothbrush and some paint. You're right, that's right. All it was. And one of my favorite things is so once it got installed in the gallery, yeah, from across the across the gallery during the poster offensive opening, it just looked like a black sheet of paper. <laughs> you know, you couldn't see. It was all these beautiful graphic posters, you know, yeah, from all right. these Minneapolis designers, and then there's just like a black void, you know, right. in between. Um, and the re- the reason I called it Reach is because of the it was a it was a Reach it was a Reach toothbrush, <laughs> a, and I didn't want anything that was like too heavy handed on it. I actually I made a yeah, I made a video. Did you see the video? I before? saw the yeah. video. So I did the man. video because I tried to show it in my portfolio, yeah. and it's impossible to photograph because again it just looks black. Sure. So I made a video of me making one of the posters, and that's oh, that's man. how it no, we to got it. it. What, what people can check it out on their site, and I encourage them too because that video you kind of have the Carl Sagan. Like, yeah, I totally like, stole the Carl th- Sagan stuff. No, oh, man, that's good, but it was like 
it, it's just kind of like him talking about that little excerpt yeah. that he wrote, yeah. right? And and uh, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's heavy. Yeah. Just kind of thinking about all that, you know, that all of this, everything that we know and love, and everyone that has lived and died, has uh, that we know of at least, has been on this. Well, even planet. the people we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, man, no, it's great. But what's your site? It, oh, uh, it's it's nixadon dot com. One word. N i c k z d o n dot com. And yeah, so and you'll we'll see. Put the, it in the in the in the show notes for yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. man. So people can just click it. But uh, yeah, but that video is on there, and that print mm-hmm. for the reach poster, and it, yeah, that was great, man. That was one of my one of my favorite ones. Yeah, and and the highest step is that's influence or that's that's from um, uh, Joe Kittinger. Colonel Joe Kittinger. Who See, was, I'm uh, not familiar, but I but I was. I, I, I think I have, a, I think I have a link to some more information on my, yeah. on my on the site. Totally. So, so Kittinger was, was he was testing high altitude um, uh, free fall. Sure. So he went up in a and this is in the 50s. Went up in a in a weather balloon up to the edge of space, like miles and miles and miles. Yeah. Way like pressurized suit space, and then he jumped and he he free fell free fell back to earth. Um, so uh, Felix Baumgartner did his big skydiving thing, uh, something similar with Red Bull a while back, and Joe Kittinger oh, was yeah. part of that. But right. it, there was a video of Joe Kittinger and all of his gear and everything, and there was a sticker um, on the weather balloon. It was an open weather balloon, and it had a little door, a little opening that he would jump out of. Sure. And right underneath it, um, it said, "This is the highest step in the world," oh which I just gosh. thought was just such a cool, a cool phrase. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that. But I guess you know there's there's a lot that comes from history. Yeah. You know, or like the two two Saint Paul poster. Do you have you, have yep. you seen that one? I mean yep. that that was. And you did a two Duluth one too. I did two Duluth. Yeah. yeah but man. two Saint Paul. That wasn't that was the road sign. Oh in, really? Uh, Stillwater. Oh. Outside the Stillwater courthouse. Yeah. In like the 1800s. And it was just a sign. It said to St. Paul, and it had a finger pointing one way. And that's yeah, how yeah, you yeah. knew how to get to St. Paul. You know, before there was like an interstate system. Right. You know, and like, you know, you know, a, you know, a national signage system. Right. It was just boop, and that was it. Yeah. And then go. Oh, oh, shit, yeah. man. Oh, that's great, dude. All right. What, one thing I did write down. What is not stock? Oh, not stock. Oh, yeah. Not stock is a conference, I guess you would call it. Yeah. In Minot, Minot, North Dakota. North Dakota. Yeah. Okay. So it's at the North Dakota. I think it's North Dakota State University. Okay. Um, I might be getting that wrong. It's been a while, um, but they put on a screen printing show. So it's kind of like flat stock. Oh sure. But it's in Minot. Good poster kind so of print show. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And so uh, some of the guys and I from Big Table went a number of years ago. Excuse me, a number of years ago, mm-hmm. and they do like live printing, and they usually have a band play, and it's kind of like a, you know, kind of a festive atmosphere. Sure. So we had Charlie Parr playing on one side of like this auditorium. Okay. And then we're all just screen printing posters, you know, live on the other side. <laughs> yeah. And Jay Ryan's like walking around, you know, I being, saw that. being Jay Ryan. It's right, crazy. right, man. Um, Chicago kind of a uh, illustrator designer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The poster kind of print yeah. dude. Too. The old the old bird machine. Yeah. Um, All right. Great. Great guy. The first time I ever. Oh, first time I ever met him. Um, okay. But yeah, I think they still do it. I think they still do it. Um, yeah. I haven't, I haven't been, been back. back I have not been back since. But yeah. 
it was it was a good time. You still go to design camp a lot? I'm excited to go to design camp. So I missed it, I think, the past three years. Okay. Um, yep. Yep. And I heard you guys talking about it in the previous show with Sam, and I was like, yeah, oh, man. it's such an awesome time. No, man. What, like, what are your... Uh, yeah, you did a logo as well for that on your site, too, for a place yeah. called uh, Shadow Camp. <laughs> Shadow Camp. What is that? What is that? Uh, that was that that was something that came out of just a very short conversation I had with Jeff Johnson. Yeah. Um, I think a friend of his or somebody he knew owned some property that was right next to Grandview Lodge. Where where, where design they, where, camp was held. Yeah, it used to be held. Sure. And so Jeff always had this idea of creating shadow camp where instead of paying to for the lodging and everything, which is, you know, a yeah, a significant it, amount of money, especially for students. For students, yeah, totally. Is that there would be like this alternate camp, like campsite, yeah, man. where you could camp right next to the conference for free, <laughs> sure, you know. And so, but yeah, that's where that logo was kind of inspired by that, okay. you know, just like underground right. shadow camp type thing. And, <laughs> yeah, love it. So, but um, yeah, what else? No, you have to tell me. All right, so now I'm going to ask you a question. You got to tell me about your time in Portland because I have not seen you. I don't think I've seen you in in person. Yeah, or had a conversation since that night at the Pig when we got a beer. Oh, right, right. Because I think you, I, I you think were I back just, in town. I was from just New happened York. to be back in town. I was grabbing yeah. a beer. Yeah, man. And I think I threw out on Twitter or something like that. I'm like. Hey, guess who's back in town having a beer last yeah, night? Man. Who yeah, wants dude. to hang out? And I just showed up because you were cause at I Sweeney's. Saw, yeah, yeah, I was at Sweeney's and <laughs> yeah. I saw your tweet. And that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I was just reading a book, fucking drinking a beer on the <laughs> patio. I don't know. And then, but I saw your tweet. A good, that's that's good times too. Yeah, yeah but man, so no, yeah, so great. you, I mean, you mentioned that you great. spent some time out in Portland working with with Aaron Draplin for with like Aaron. Yeah, is that yep. a project you can talk about? Or, uh, or what about or just the general experience of working? I could talk about the experience. I was helping him out. Uh, you know, like, yeah, I was still at General Mills, contract designing okay. at General Mills, sort of through Studio Minneapolis at the time, and I was there for like a year and a half, mm-hmm. and I just got kind of, I mean, Studio Minneapolis is fucking great, Dan, you listening right now? <laughs> you better be listening, Dan, and everyone. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, it was great, man, I loved it there, but it was a kind of a contract gig where the majority of the time... Me and a lot of other contract designers worked in-house at General Mills. You were officing out of the General Mills building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, man. And mm-hmm. then that was like Monday through Thursday. Then on Friday, we'd kind of be at Studio Minneapolis and shit like that. But like, I'd been doing that for like a year and a half. And mm-hmm. all the meetings and banner ads, Nick, I don't know. It just got, they got to me. And, yeah. and I was eventually, I was just like ready for something new and shit too. So I just sent an email out to like a bunch of different design studios and, sh- and agencies and shit that I loved. And I was just shooting for the stars, man. Like all all over. All over, all the, country. over the country. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I'd like tweet like, anybody got a job? Uh, preferably out of Minnesota. You know, because I just <laughs> wanted to try and there was something about just trying to take that step and move, you yeah. know, and go out there. And if, yeah. I, if I want to come back, I always can, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, like a month went by and then Aaron uh, Traplin emailed me and I got an email and at the time, I was in Grand Marais. Okay, it was yeah. around like July fourth or something, and then, and then Aaron was like, "Hey, man, I might have a might have a project for you, you know." And mm-hmm. then, and then he like, and then he was like, "We should chat, you know." And then I like, I didn't even have my lap. I was using my phone and, and getting Wi Fi from like a coffee shop in the 
you know, bumfuck, like nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even know where it was. But well, it was and, like, and we should say Grand Marais is oh, yeah. way the fuck up there. Grand Marais that's, is like that's right, North right. Shore. That's North, way up North there. North Shore, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, it's my. It's a touristy kind of town. It's You can still get, oh, I bet, I bet, yeah, you can still get yeah. Wi-Fi and shit. It's the gateway to the Boundary Waters, Dude, man. One of my, yeah, one of my favorite towns. I love it. I love it there. But, um. It was around that time, and then I just emailed there and back, and I was like, "Yeah, you, you bet," you know. And then it was like, "Oh, I'm, I hope Aaron isn't. Maybe he's listening to this, but like, you know, I, I ended up uh, shooting him an email, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be out there, like, you know, I'm in town, <laughs> you know." So I just got a flight there, man. Yeah. I ordered the plane ticket when I was in fucking, uh, you know. Uh, caribou cot or whatever it was like ian graham right yeah i just ordered my ticket online you know i was like they make these so easy to, to order yeah, your do, tickets yeah. online and then my cousin brent lundquist good dude he was like oh that's all planned you know they want it easy so you can order your tickets yeah anyways i made it out there and i helped aaron out with uh well, yeah it, he was coming out with a book a monograph new yeah, monograph yeah. through abrams so you know everyone knows about well, not everyone, but like uh, we can talk about that and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I was helping him out with layout stuff, kind of okay. from that, and uh, kind of just being a helping hand. There was a number of other, there was another, there was a pro- another project that I worked on mm-hmm. for a little company called Apple. Okay. <laughs> so I was helping him out with yeah. like a lot of that because he's, I mean, he's he's a busy guy. He's and a especially busy guy. for how much he travels, and I'm, I got to imagine doing the book, he just had. I mean, he must have been slammed. Yeah, man. Yeah, it, actually, it was funny. The first day I started there, Aaron was. It was like he was on a thirty-six hour flight. It was some yeah. like obnoxiously long flight from Australia because he gave oh, okay. like two or three talks in Australia yeah. at like different universities and shit for design stuff. And uh, he was flying back, and and he it was like a day later. Then then he got back, so I was still there, you know. Yeah. And then and I just like showed up, and uh, our buddy Goo and uh, uh, Dave and John. Wait, wait, Goo? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I think it's John. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry, Dave and John. I, I'm getting them confused, but that that's a nickname that uh, okay. that Aaron gave them. I don't know. They used to work together at another shop in uh, Portland. Kind of forget what it's called. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. All right. Where was I going? Point of the story. What were we talking about? What did we? Oh shit! Here oh, it is. Uh, again. The Portland. The experience of working in Portland. It was cool, man. I, I was. Gonna... I have not been out there. It's on my. Oh, list you haven't been there at all. Yeah. No, I haven't been. Oh, it's good, man. It's. I always tell people it's kind of like a northeast Minneapolis, but I, the entire city kind of feels that okay. way, yeah. right? So it's kind of heavy industrial industry, but then also kind of like. Of course, in the nature, surrounded by forest and mountains oh, yeah. and shit, yeah. right? And heavy into the arts, great coffee shops. One of my only beefs. A lot of their coffee, like every coffee shop, closes at like six p.m. Everywhere, like you just, it's like Wilmer. It shuts down, yeah. you know. You know, and, and I'm one of those guys where I'm always like working on a coffee shops and shit yeah. too. You know, like after work and shit too. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like, where am I supposed to work? You know, in a in a ditch. You know, you know. Uh, but it was it was great, man. I loved it there. But yeah. yeah, I I just missed here, of course, and and uh, and it would have cost quite a bit because I was looking to move out there. I yeah. mean, the U-Haul alone was going to be like a couple grand. Oh, dude, you know? yeah. So, I I drove a U-Haul back from New York to yeah. here. And yeah, yeah. I, I I can feel you on that. 
so it was just an investment, and I I knew that the gig with Draplin was only gonna be for like helping him out for the month, kind of yeah. there on on a couple projects. So yeah, I was looking at other places out there, yeah. other agencies and shit, but it just didn't. Ah, I missed here too much, and then my buddy Sam and Marco, they ended up having a little. This, ba- this place that we're recording in right now. The studio? The studio. Yeah. I called that on, I said the studio, just to sound professional. <laughs> and then Sam's like, yeah, it's the it's the sunroom, you know, you know, or like something like that. Yeah. We're in our- We're, we're in our, our apartment. <laughs> yeah, it's an apartment. We just want, I always tell people that flat files. I'm like, yeah, I found these new print. And if I like a girl or something, <laughs> yes. I'll be like, oh, hey, Ashley, I ended up finding this print. It was in my flat file, and it's just right <laughs> underneath my fucking bed, you know, like in in like a French paper cardboard box, yep. you know. Yep. And those are my flat file. Hey, eventually I'll get a flat file. Though they're hard to find, and the, and they can be pretty pricey. They can be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually got a sweet deal when when CVA was closing. That's right. Actually, yeah. Um, what, what happened? So see, it was actually it was kind of sad, but when CVA closed, yeah. they went through and like liquidated the whole school you're right and so a lot of like the um the nicer computers and stuff i think got sold elsewhere but otherwise there was a couple days you could just walk in and each department would just had stuff priced you know you could just buy (laughs) buy this or buy that or you know pick up a stack of old ca magazines you know from the 70s and be like how much are these and they'd be like just take them just Just take get them out of here um (laughs) But no, sure. the, uh, the there was a whole set. There was four big flat files. Remember the big black ones mm-hmm. up on the third floor, and oh, yeah. they weren't priced because a lot of stuff had stickers on it. Yeah, and so I went to John Dufresne, you know, because that was he, his department. And I said, John, are you guys selling those flat files up there? He's like, everybody thinks that those that's those are like my flat files. He's like, those are not my flat. I have no idea. So yeah. he's like, just go ask somebody, you know. So I found somebody. I forget who it was. And I was like, how much are you guys selling these flat files? How much? Yeah. How much? And this this person knew nothing about flat files or how expensive they could be. No shit. And she's like, well, you know, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe we'll take $20 for each of them. <laughs> you know, no these shit. four, like, giant flat files. And I'm yeah, like, man. sold. I am take And I had, I don't even, I don't think I had a car at that time. Yeah. I think I had to hire somebody to truck them <laughs> down. And I, they, they were for a big table, you know, obviously. Yeah. I didn't have room for them in my apartment. Um, and I bought the ones from uh, Maria's printmaking. Mm. And those were, I mean, I think we paid $120 for one, you know. But uh, yeah, those yeah, they, the they knew the prices price. a little more. I feel like that's how. Well, I feel. she knew the value, you know, you right, knew right. What they were, yeah. yeah so all like, those flat files, a little piece of CVA living on in the, in the I, studio. I feel that that's like pricing with me in the beginning, you know, right out of undergrad. Someone's like <laughs> pricing your work. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like how much you're gonna charge for this logo? And then it's like I don't know, hundred dollars maybe, you know. And then they're like, oh, it's a little steep, you know. And then I'm like. All right, seventy-five. You know, yeah, some shit like that. Yeah, and yeah. then eventually you get older, and then you're like, you realize how ripped off you were. You yeah, know? but you know, you got to go through that. You got to learn that, though. You do got to you know? learn that. And I think yeah, that's man. where you, and and that's the, what students would always ask me. That it's like, how do you know what yeah. to charge somebody for like a logo? Right. And it's like, well, you could take this into account and this into account. How big are they? What is their usage going to be? How right. long is it going to take you? You know, yeah. are you doing identity standards with it? You know, right. But in reality, you just have to start doing work 
And once you, especially working for yourself, you know, oh, yeah. freelancer contract, like you have to start building your own, um, your own understanding of what your time and your work is worth. Yeah. You know, and a lot of that comes from the way that you just live your life and the way you do your work. Right. Um, and it's just something I think you gain through experience. I do remember I, I took a, my class, one of my classes at CVA to uh, aesthetic apparatus. Oh, and yeah. Dan and I went on like a 20 minute discussion on like how we price our work, you know, and not really coming to any conclusion. Really? And finally, at some point, I'm like, all right, we're, we're, this is probably boring, everybody. Like, let's go and look at the prints, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and afterwards, my students were all like, no, like, no, that's extremely crucial. You should have kept talking. Good to, like, yeah, I was no, notes. it's good to know that, yeah. you know, because a lot of people, right, and you can't say a certain amount, hey, charge this much, you know, yeah. uh, charge a grand or 10 grand, you know, it's just like, yeah. a lot of that comes with experience too, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, there's not a menu, you know, yeah. and it's not like you can just go to somebody else and be like, what do you charge for your work? Oh, I'm going to charge, you know, you can yeah. maybe baseline it that way. Right. For me, whenever I would do... I mean, side work, you know, like I have a full-time sure. job now and if I take something on, yeah, I, you know, I always think about it in the context of what I'm giving up, you yeah, know, yeah. it's like, I know I got to give up a whole Saturday. What's that Saturday worth to me? Right. You know, and yeah, maybe yeah. there's, maybe I'm, I want to go to the amusement park on that Saturday or the, you know, and that's like, all right, I'm going to charge you double for that because sure. I want to go to the, ride the fucking roller coaster. <laughs> I don't know where that example came from, but well, right, you know, it, it's always kind of like, or, or another thing, my, my father taught me this, is, you know, just break it down, like, hourly. Yeah, you right. You know, and think of, like, what's an hour worth to you? Right. You know, you know, but that's all, that's another thing, like, keeping track of your money, yeah. but also keeping track of your time. Totally. You know, that's a whole another thing, is, like, you might charge somebody $1,000 for a project, and I might charge them mm-hmm. $800 for it. Sure. And, you know, we will both spend different amounts of time. Sure. Which then leads to a different hourly rate you know so understanding how that calculates into what you're actually providing based on what you're giving up you know time-wise is is a but that yeah again that that, but that comes from experience and it comes from just paying attention to it as well right even now doing this print job you know t-shirts like i haven't printed t-shirts and i don't know how long yeah right but you know it's like you just keep track add a little log it's like all right i did a exposure at 2.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. And then I was able to wash out at 2.45. And then I did a right. test at 3.30, you know. And just keeping track of your time is actually a really important kind of feature. I always wanted my students to keep track of their time. Yeah. Um, there's no way they would ever do it, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, it's but it, but, it, but it is important, you know. Hell yeah. Especially when you're building that kind of, like I said, idea of what your time's worth. Yeah. Do you tend to do a lot of like, do you, uh, at least the freelance projects, or when when you do do freelance and contract shit, or do you tend to like doing just an hourly rate, or do you like flat fees, or do you kind of um, like figure out a flat fee by figuring out breaking down the hours? It's uh, it's it's always a mix. Mm-hmm. It, it always depends. Um, there are projects that if if I th- well if I think it's gonna be a hassle, yeah, I either like to to like charge extra, like mm-hmm. just work that in, you know? And in some ways, like I'm, especially since, you know, it, it's all side work. If there's a job I don't right. really want to do, like I don't mind trying to price myself out on it. It's not something that everybody's yeah. comfortable doing, but I'm like, I don't really want to do this. Yeah. You know, right. and it's going to be three weekends and yeah. a handful of weeknights. I'm just yeah, like, I man. don't really want to do it. Right. Um, 
So I'll either charge more or I'll do it for free. I'll say, you know, and working for free is always a little trepidatious. You know, you know it's <laughs> right. hard to know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if it is something that I really want to do, I will do it for free with okay. the understanding that I do it my way. Yeah, exactly. And if I don't like the way it's going, I walk. Sure. You know, and that's that's what I get for doing free work. Yeah. You know, is right. having that freedom. Yeah, it's like your um, say. And, it's yeah, almost like so, a take it or leave it kind of thing. Yeah, but without being, you know, without being, a, you know, trying to be a dick <laughs> a about dick. it. But, it's, but it also, but it's also, but, but I've done a lot of cool stuff for free, you mm-hmm. know, and, that, but that's, you know, kind of that trade-off. Yeah. Um, I do like flat fee um, for the most part. And usually yeah. I'll calculate that through... Um, kind of the, an estimate on the deliverables and how much time and then looking at an hourly rate and yeah. coming up with a flat fee. But sure. anytime you do a flat fee, it is... I only do flat fees for projects that have very defined scope. Sure. Um, because if you agree to a, like $1,200 flat fee, you know, and I'm going to... We'll do these, this stuff, you know? Yeah. And then three months later, it's like you're still working on it and you agree to a flat fee for 1200 bucks and you still haven't gotten to the deliverable, you know, that's where like, you know, you mentioned in the last part, like writing those contracts, understanding the working relationship and for flat fee, um, contracts, I'll even write into the contract what I'm not going to be doing. Sure. You know, it's like, I'll put in like, this is what I'm responsible for. This is what you'll get. This is the file type. This is when you'll get it. This is what I'll need from you on these dates. But then I'll also put in like, I don't proofread. Right. You know, it's like you can handle proofread. I'm not doing that sure. because that that's time for me, and I'm not a great proofreader. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't specify that you're not going to do that, sure, you know, it's is that going to leave it open to the assumption that it is your responsibility? You sure. Know? So right, right. those are the types of things. And again, it comes from experience of yeah. just like, oh, exactly. I'm doing this, but I'm not doing that. Yeah, you know? and like we're just gonna, and it's and it's not about totally. being adversarial or confrontational. But no. it's just about like. All right, this is this is the work. Yeah. And this is what we're moving forward. Totally. With, so. It's just good to have I mean, I need to do that more. There have been projects where I won't do contract, you know, just for like buddies and yeah. shit. And like it's just it's good to like get in the habit of writing stuff down. And th- because then when you give it to the client, they they kinda are aware that it's like, Oh, okay, you know, that you're more invested and it's yeah. it's like a, it's a safety net, you know? It's mm-hmm. like we don't need to always be like, hey, I said on the contract I wasn't going to do banner ads, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, tough shit, Loven. You know, like, <laughs> make those marbits, man. You know, you know, yeah, marb. Lucky Charms. <laughs> I, that was a brand that I worked on a lot at General Mills. It, it was great. Anyways, anyways. Uh, no, even, even I've yeah. done work for friends. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I've done, like, shout out to, to, uh, Froze Bros, Minneapolis Craft Ice Cream. I, yeah, I, I did stickers for their <laughs> pint labels, you know? Yeah. Um, great guy. Like, I, I love those guys. It's a good name. I haven't yeah, had it. Froze Bros. Oh, Froze dude, check Bros. it out. Um, their their flavors are, like, insane. Like, really. But Like, like taste or names? or like uh, The combinations are very, are unexpected, but it's not like okay. turkey dinner, yeah, you yeah. know? It's a, it's actually, so it's like jalapeno cotilla cheese, you know? It's like, actually, that in an ice cream, that sounds, you know, enticing to me, you know? Sure. Um, um, but yeah, Ben and Eric, you know, I just, I did these labels. It was just a simple label project. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I sat down with them and, and 
you know, put together like a, co- a contract just or a statement of work at the very least. I don't remember which one. Yeah. And just said, hey, you know what? I love you guys, but I just, I don't want this yeah. job. Like different expectations or miscommunications or totally. lack of communication or understanding yeah. to one, jeopardize the job and two, also yeah. affect the friendship. So that yeah, as man. a safety net against yeah. Yeah. like working for your friends. Yeah. Um, like even just a simple statement of work and getting it all on the table. Yeah. I think is super, and I gave, you know, it wasn't like I charged them an arm and a leg, you know, I, and I, I, I actually worked partly in trade, I got ice I've, cream for it. I've never even heard of statement of works. It, it's similar to a contract, but it's just Yeah, like a statement of work basic is... Basic or what? The statement of work is, is laying out the responsibilities. So yeah. it can be part of a contract, but in sure. some cases, if there's a, if there's a, a, like if you're on a retainer, so your retainer would be covered in a, in the contract, because the contract is a lot of the legal information Okay. Um, based right. around the relationship. Sure. This is my understanding. This is how I've always looked at it. Yeah. So it's like, uh, who owns the work? It's like sure. the management of the rights and the transfer of rights. And yeah. like, are you working for hire or are you, are you a contract or you freelance, you know, um, full-time, part-time? Like it takes care of a lot of those legal aspects, in my opinion. Yeah. So you might have like a, a contract for a retainer or something of that nature. But then the statement of work is like, this is the project, this is what the responsibilities are, this is the deliverables, this is, this is the timeline, you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of all of that stuff. So depending on the relationship, I would pull and do a SOW or a, a contract. And a lot of a, a contracts are usually boilerplate, you know, you, yeah. just, you just get it from the legal department, you know, right. like working contract with an agency or a right. studio. It's like, here's your contract. Yeah. And you know, and, and they that. just print it out, you know, cause they've got it on file cause it's put together by a lawyer. Sure. Um, which is good. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But then the statement of work comes down to more on the project level. So sure. Yeah. All right. So the more, you know, yeah. cue the star. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if we got to pay NBC for that shit. <laughs> we probably do. We'll go back. We'll just edit that. Out. <laughs> we always say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll do it in post. You'll, and I'm like, you'll do it right now. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. All right, man. Well, thanks thanks for meeting with us, man. Thanks for having me, man. This Hell is yeah. fun. This Hell is yeah. Cool. All right, man. We'll see you. All right, man. That was great, man. Aw, oh, shit, you guys. Thanks to our buddy Nick, man. Nick Zidon. Uh, check out his website, nickzidon.com, man. He's a good dude. Love that guy. You know, I was, uh, you know, last night I, I was I was editing these, uh, this interview with Nick on the little audio app here that I use, and uh, I drank two beers. They call me Corey Two Beers. I was feeling nostalgic just uh, thinking about the, you know, just this episode, just these first two with Nick and Sam, man. And I was just, uh, I don't know, man. I was just really grateful, you know, really stoked about, uh, you know, having such cool, smart, talented fucking friends, man. So, uh, you know, excited, excited to see where the shit goes, man. Or, you know, 
we'll see. We'll see, right? But, uh, you know, thanks for hanging out, guys. Uh, oh, credits and shit. Uh, let's see, tangents. You can stream this shit on SoundCloud. Or you can now, we got them on iTunes podcasts. You can just check your phone, click on that little iTunes podcast app shit, and uh, search for tangents. You know, that's it. It's just one word. And, uh, you know, go from there. Uh, theme music today, thanks again to Yasuki Satsumi. Yeah, good dude. I got his, got that track from the freemusicarchive.org. Check out his stuff, man. It's good. Good instrumental shit. And uh, also, uh, that was for the beginning and end theme music, but uh, we had some interlude music uh, from, a you know, Sheraton, uh, Sheraton Fox. That's his name. He's Nick's, Nick's buddy. And, uh, you know, that, that track is called Native Sun from his, his record Patagonia. So go and buy that shit, man. That's at uh, SheridanFox.BandCamp.com. I'll put links to this shit in the show notes so you can just click it, man. But uh, that's it. That's it, man. Well, hope you guys had fun. Uh, and we'll, you know, we'll see you down the road. <laughs>